our series uh, that, that's been tied to this this time of, of prayer and fasting. Um, Pastor Troy mentioned, you know, he asked, and I, I've said it myself, you know, that, that's, uh, I hope you're enjoying this fast. That seems like a bit of a, a two mutually exclusive things, enjoying a fast, but... Um, but I, I trust you understand what we're saying. You know, so, you know there's some things that, that aren't necessarily, they're hard, but they're good, right? There's, there's something within us as people that, that we, we need that. We need challenges to overcome. We need, um, we need to be victorious over something. And you can't, how many know you can't have victory without conflict, right? And uh, actually, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about uh, today. Uh, we've been in our, just to catch you up, if you're, if you're just joining us for the first time in a couple of weeks, we've been in a, in a series entitled Reclaimed. We're talking about what it means to have our identity rolled up in Christ, to draw who we are from who he is. And we've been looking at the, the, fi- uh, the, the story of the prodigal son and taking the, the father in that story as, as, as our father, our God, and, and, and looking at what he did to his son to reclaim his identity. And kind of drawing some parallels over the last several weeks. The first week we looked at and saw that the first thing that the, the father did was that he what? He, 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 expressed, it his, he expressed his love to his son. He ran to him and he, and he kissed him and he, and he hugged him. And we talked about how our identity has to start there. Who you are at your core has to be defined by the fact that God loves you. And uh, we don't have time to go into all that again, but, but you can check back on the, the, the messages are all still online. If you missed that, you can uh, check that out. And then this, the next week we, we looked at the, the next thing that the father did was that he, he brought the son in and he, he empowered the son. He gave, him, he gave him the things, the tools that he would need to act like and look like his son again. He gave him sandals and a ring and, 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 uh, and a robe. And that's what we looked at last week. This week we're, we're going to look at the final phase of, of the, the father's reclamation process for, for his son. And it's the same for us as as sinners as people who have who were born broken into this world as the the god reclaims our identity and reestablishes it we we see the same um the same thing that the father in the story does our father does for us and and so we see that the 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 father is has has brought the son in, he's loved him, he's empowered him, he's, he's given him all his stuff back, and then what does he do? It says he throws a party for everybody for the son. He says, kill the fatted calf, let's have a party. Now, the, the, the point of this party is, is, is kind of twofold. One, the whole reason the son came back was because he was what? He was starving, right? So finally, after he restores, after he gives back to the son what he actually needs, what the father knows the son needs, then he, he gives the son what the son came back for. See, sometimes what we, what we think we need from, from God isn't actually what we need from God. Has anybody ever been there? God, I just need this. I just need this. I just need this. And then like six months down the road, finally the God, God like knocks through your thick skull and goes, no, you don't. You need this. 
That's actually what's that's actually what's hindering you from getting what it is that you need. You don't need more money to get a bigger house. You need to learn how to balance your checkbook. Right? You need discipline. You don't need a wife. You need to learn how to have a healthy relationship with another human being first. God gives us the things that we need in the order that we need. And so we see this in this restoration process. So as as the father restores the son, finally we get to the point where he does get to the meal. And it's not just a meal, it's the fatted calf, it's the best food. And it's not just feeding the son, but he, he creates this whole celebration, this whole party. And there's a purpose behind the party. And what is that? He is presenting the son back to the community. He does this last. Why? Because he wants to make sure that the son gets presented back as the son. Now standing there, dressed and, and outfitted in all of, in all of the, the family stuff, the family ring and shoes and, the, and, the, and the, the robes of that family. Standing there with his relationship restored to his father. He gets presented back to the community in a context that says, here, my, my son is back. He can, he can resume, you can resume connecting to him as my son, which means he now can speak for me. He now can conduct family business. You are to pay to him the respect that this family has earned in the community. Our third and final identity series that, that in this series that we see is that you are sent by God. That is part of our, our core identity. Now, it's not the first part. There was a, there is a, you know, God does everything in a proper order. He, he starts by showing us his love. And we have to receive and be grounded in his love. We have to be, receive and be grounded in the fact that we are empowered by him. We talked about this last week. Through abiding in his presence. That it's an ongoing abiding that empowers us. Those two things are, are, are first. Those are primary. But in addition to that. We are not complete until we embrace this third identity that we are sent by God. God presents us to this world. Your position in Christ gives you purpose now. Gives you a new purpose in life. You are not aimlessly trying to find yourself. God already found you. You're found, right? We now have been given meaning, and that is we are sent into this world to be about our Father's business. There's a reason I mentioned it's, it's the third identity marker. If we, if we have embraced these first two kingdom identities, being sent by the Father is a life-filling and exciting opportunity. We need purpose in life. You need a mission. You need a reason to get up in the morning. And our perspective on why we're getting up, why you're walking out the door in the morning, of course, in these days, why you're walking into your living room, because maybe that's 
lot of days I feel like that's the, all the further I get, right? You know, you know, and make it out the door. <laughs> but why are we getting up in the morning? It's all about our, what, what we see as our identity is going to affect significantly how we see what it is we do. Here's an example um, of how a, a transformed identity can change our perspective on something. Here's a, a verse you've probably heard before, Matthew 16, starting in verse 24. Then Jesus said to the disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, don't, don't answer this, don't raise your hands, but how many of you, when you hear this verse, the picture that comes into your mind is one of, of, of self-sacrifice, of, of, of hardship for the sake of, of Jesus, of, of relinquishing some level, if we're honest, and that, don't, don't answer it out loud because I don't want to make a liar out of you, um, uh, relinquishing the, the, a, a good time in life to do what God wants us to do. I'll tell on myself. That's that's typically that's that's a, for a lot a lot of the time I read this verse. That's what I read into it. That Jesus is saying, you know, if you want to follow me, you can follow me. But but you know, it's it, it put the party hat away. It's this is not gonna this is not gonna be fun for you. <laughs> that's a perspective, but that perspective is flawed. Because it's a perspective that is not looking at what Jesus is asking based on the identity of what it is that we, of who he is and what he has shown in us. See, this identity means letting go of your identity of who you were before Jesus. And when we look at this verse and we see it in a negative context, when it doesn't get us excited, it's because there's parts of our original identity that we still prefer. Many times we look at this verse as some sort of exchange for, of enjoyment for a life of troubles and trials, right? That, that following Jesus creates problems. And that statement is true-ish. <laughs> following Jesus, becoming a disciple, taking on an identity in Christ, does it create new problems and trials in your life? Yes, it does. But you are going to have trials and troubles in your life regardless, right? What Jesus is offering here is a chance to change what we are equip equipped with to deal with those trials, to deal with those troubles. To exchange our weakness for his strength to trade our fear for his joy, to, to trade our apathy for his love. And trust me, you want to lose your life. Your life ain't that great. His is amazing. And as we, we embrace this exchange, our whole lives become filled with purpose and mission. Every relationship becomes an opportunity to reveal God's love. 
Every conflict becomes a chance to to show how the kingdom of God is superior to this broken world. Every task is now a chance to worship him by using the abilities he gave us to bring order and bring creativity into this world. Your new identity in Christ is filled with purpose. We get to join him in this amazing renovation project that he's completing in this earth. We're not meant to just hold on and be good until he shows up again. And when that starts to become our identity, it will transform how we, how we view God, how we view our relationships, how we, review, how we view our work. Everything becomes filled now with a deeper meaning and a, and a greater excitement because one, I'm not alone in this, and two, everything I do, I was called to. You and I were made on purpose for a purpose. God has specific kingdom objectives for you and for me. Things that are only on, in heaven, there's a list of of all the things that, that he wants done in a given day, and there are certain things on that list that your name is the only name next to it. And if you don't do them, they're not going to get done. Somewhere in heaven, there's a board with with all the things that God wants to accomplish in any given day. Like on that board, it is, I'm sure there is listed in there, Cohen and Gracie receive love from their father. I am the only person in the world that can fulfill that task. And if I if I neglect that, it gets it, it doesn't get completed. There are things in heaven with your name on it. And that should bring us, on one hand, there is a a certain weightiness to that, for sure. But on the other hand, there is such a sense of amazement that we should have, of awe, of wonder, of of excitement, that, that there are things in my tomorrow, there are things in my today that have eternal gravity to them. That there is, there is meaning in my what, especially to, in, in, in the COVID climate, sometimes feels like Groundhog Day, right? Like, what's the point? <laughs> I'm going to do this all, the, all this stuff. I'm going to do it exactly the same way tomorrow. That's not true. Every day, there, are, there is opportunity to walk in our identity as being sent into this world and to make a difference. We've been given a new job. We are new creations with a new job. And so I want to just take a few moments and look at this new job that we have. Uh, I want to give us kind of a, a job description. With this new identity comes a new, a new role. And if you've, you know, whenever, if you've gotten a new job, that, that should be, hopefully, part of, part of your onboarding process, right? Where you get the new job and they, they lay out for you what this new employment is going to look like. The, the structure and the responsibilities and the roles and all that stuff. So I, I want to take a few minutes and look at, look at ours. 
as we step into this new reclaimed identity. The first thing is that you have a new title. You've been giving a new title. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5 says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a a spiritual temple. What's more, here it comes, what's more is you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. We've been given a new new title. We We are now priests. You are now a priest in the kingdom of God. The priesthood, traditionally in, in, in Israeli history, was a very, it was the most noble of professions, for one. And it was extremely limited. You could only, you could only be a priest by birth. It wasn't a, it wasn't a job. There was a, a, there was the tribe of Levi, and even within the tribe, there, was, there were certain people that, that, that were the priests for the entire country. They were sectioned off. They were, they were set apart. They were holy unto that task. But with the coming of Jesus, as he, as he expands this, this kind of like uh, our roles and, and kind of throws it out to anybody who is in Christ, we now have the privilege and the responsibility of the priesthood. What, what, what does a priest do? A priest had many jobs, um, but they all kind of basically boil down to two things. Facilitating worship to the, to the Most High and being a relational bridge between God and man. That's what the priest did. That's, that was their roles. They were the ones that, that in the Old Testament, you know, anytime there was, there were sacrifices, if you wanted to give a, a, a sacrifice to, to, to cover your sins or, or, you know, once a year there's the high, there was the high feasts where, where the, the, the nation, God instructed the nation of Israel to, to give sacrifices to atone for their sins. Um, or there was, uh, in, you know, Leviticus, that book we all skip when we read through the Bible. There's all kinds of stuff laid out in there about how, how to worship God, how to, how to bring your offerings to God. All of those things always involved a priest. And that's where, where we step in now. God has called you to become that bridge between God and man. So we have a new title. And we have, not only do we have a new title, but along with that title comes other things, right? You know, they don't just give you the title. You, you also get, get stuff to, to, to make sure you can do the job. And, and one of the things we have is we have a new title, but we also have a new authority. In order to be fully alive in our identity in Christ, you need to know that Mark 16 is speaking through time to you. What's Mark 16, you ask? Glad you ask. We'll have to read it. Mark 16, starting in verse 15. And then he, Jesus, told them, said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. 
Anyone who believes is baptized and will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Now, it's easy to hear this passage and um, not, we don't, you know, we don't, no one would ever write off a scripture, but we, uh, shall we say, we generally apply it, right? That's for the church. But it's not. He says these signs will follow the super, the apostles, the super, the super disciples. No. Anyone who believes. Miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Now, some of these, um, I don't want you to get hung up too much on the specifics of this. Sometimes we can do that too. We, over, we overanalyze and laser in on, on, on some of these specific examples. The, he, he is giving them a picture of, of basically two principles Specifically applied in, in their context, right? We don't have, I, I mean, some of you may, but I don't have a particular worry or need about handling poisonous snakes, right? Because there's just not a lot in Westerville, right? At least not, at least not in my development that I'm aware of. And if, if they are there, I'm glad I don't know about them, um, but that was a real issue in the ancient Near East, right? This is before antivenoms and, 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 and clinics and cell phones and all the things. You get bit by a poisonous snake walking from one town to the next. You're in trouble. And he is sending these people out to go do what? Walk where the snakes are. This is, a, this is very applicable to them. Like, I... I I, we don't know this, but I'm sure this may have been a direct response to, a, to an objection, right? <laughs> like, Jesus, you want us to go where? That, I don't like snakes. Don't worry. <laughs> what, what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying for us, he's saying there is, there is with us in our identity, God has given us supernatural protection and supernatural provision. We should expect, we can expect to see that in our, in our lives today. When we live out our kingdom identity, we will see the impossible happen. We will, you will see the miraculous in, in Mary in, in, in a million different ways. One of my favorite uh, personal stories, I was, oh gosh, 23 maybe, something like that. Um, I was at a, a, a discipleship, internship kind of school in, um, in Youngstown, Ohio for a year. And while we were there, we used to do, one of the things that the, the group did was we, we, 
we would do, it was a youth internship, like youth leadership intern kind of thing. And one of the things our group did was we would create these uh, human videos, which are kind of like play, set to music. It was all the rage back then. And uh, so, so we, were, we were practicing one of those and working through one of those. And one of the girls um, in, our, in our group, I, I didn't see what happened exactly, but I heard it. I heard that anybody who's been in athletics probably knows that that sound where something cracks and it's it's not you know that that something something bad you're going to turn around and see something unpleasant um a girl had done a move and I don't know if she kind of landed off the stage or just fell wrong but her she had dislocated her kneecap had had cracked and was behind her knee. Yeah, it was it was not pleasant. Um, and so she's laying on the ground, and of course, you know, rehearsal comes to a screeching halt. And uh, so we start, we're, you know, people rushing over to her, and they're calling the paramedics, and it's a all big thing. And so a, a group of uh, there's probably four or five of us started just started praying for her, right? And so we're praying for her for about 15, 20 minutes, and the, the paramedics show up, and they come walking down the center aisle with the stretcher and all that, and the second they get there to kind of lean over to start attending to her, the kneecap, like this is her knee, like it's supposed to bend this way, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be up here, it's back here. As the, so they sit down, and the second they like reach their hand towards her, you saw the kneecap move and pop back into place, like pop. It was it was quite the sound, and everybody that was sitting there just kind of like jumped back, like, "What just happened?" Um, and everybody just just freaks out. I go running. I literally just start like I ran out into the lobby where everybody else was like, "It fixed itself," you know. Um, the, the, the paramedics are sitting there. I mean, after a few minutes, they stand up and they, they kind of examine her and they're just kind of like, um, okay, I guess we're done here. And just kind of like packed up their stuff and just like confusedly walked out of the, the sanctuary there. And her knee was, was fine. She would, um, we finished, she, she was in the, the service that night. God's power still exists. We can still, we can still have access to the supernatural. And that has to be part of the identity that we embrace. That's part of our kingdom description. That you have the ability to call heaven down into this world in ways and, and to accomplish God's, God's plans and his intentions in ways that, if need be, will suspend the, the, the understanding of, of the physical realms in which we live. We serve that kind of God, amen? So we have a new authority. And then uh, the, the next one is we have, a new, we have new hours of operation, New hours of operation. You are no longer a hired servant. You are an heir and a partner in the kingdom of God. There is a difference between a hired hourly employee and an owner of a business when it comes to when they're on the job, right? When you're an hour employee, when are you on the job? When you show up. 
<laughs> when you punch in and you do your job and you punch out and you go home. When you own the business, when are you on the job? From the day you bought that business or started it to the day you sell it, you are on the job. We, we are always on the job. 2 Timothy uh, 4 verse 2 says it this way, Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Some verses say in season and out of season. Patiently correct, rebuke, encourage people with good teaching. This, is, this can be an overwhelming thing to think, oh, it's 24-7, but it's actually meant to, when we understand it, it can be life-giving. That any moment, any moment can instantly become a, a kingdom moment, a moment of, of, being, of operating in this reality that we are priests and operating in this, this calling to be sent to those that, that are around us. See, there's two different, uh, Pastor Tori talked about this a few weeks ago, how there's two different kinds in Greek, there's two different thoughts on, on the concept of time, right? You have chronos time, which is the time we tend to think of. It's, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock. It's, it's appointed. It's, it's 24 hours in a day and schedules and all that. But there's this other kind called kairos time, which is, Usually when the Bible talks about this, one of the common phrases that you'll see is uh, uh, in, in the fullness of time. It's not so much about uh, an, uh, an hour in the day as, it much, it, as, it, as much as it is about a, a ripening of situations, of circumstances. And kingdom time is kairos time. Now, that doesn't mean we get to always be late or there's no order to anything. And we just, oh, I'm Cairo's time. I show up when I feel like it. I'm not saying that. It does mean that there are certain opportunities that take priority, though. And as, as kingdom citizens, as, as these new um, heirs, as priests, we need to train ourselves to be on the lookout for those. Because those take precedence over Kronos time. Jesus was a master at this. Jesus always had an itinerary. He always he was he was very um, deliberate with what he was doing. Right? He he knew where he was going and what he wanted to do, but he almost was always ready to press press pause for an opportunity that he saw. You know, he's on his way to this city or that city, and he's going, and and nothing is stopping him until. All of a sudden, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, okay, now the agenda's just shifted. Why? Because we've moved in. He, he saw a Kairos moment, a, a, a full moment where the kingdom was ready to invade. This, this is the, should be the rhythm of our life. We should have an, you should have an organized, orderly life as far as you should. When you wake up in the morning, you should know what, that, what you're going to do that day. It's hard to know if you did it if you don't know what you're doing, right? <laughs> Calendars and schedules, these things are, are, are valuable to us, but they shouldn't rule us. They're made to help us rule our life. 
and chronos moments should always be subject to kairos. When, when there's a, we should always have an eye out for a moment where, yes, I'm supposed to leave and, and I need to go to the grocery store right now, but, but there's something here. You know, there, there's something that my, my kid just seems like they're off and I need to spend a few moments with them or, or uh, a, f- a friend calls on the phone and, and, and there's something going on. And so um, we, we, we change our, 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 our direction because there's a, a, there's a Kairos moment happening. We have to train ourselves to, to start living in those, living in those and looking for those kinds of moments. I had one the other, actually the other day, it was, um, I was at the grocery store and uh, I was, you know, got my groceries, whatever, and was getting, getting ready to check out. And um, the, there was a, a couple in front of me with, with two, two little kids, a baby and a toddler, and uh, they, were, they were trying to, to check out. And most of, their, most of what I saw was like bags of, looked like formula, you know, the cans. Um, and uh, the they were trying to to pay. There was a it was um, a, a Latino couple. They didn't speak English, um, and so there was they were trying to communicate with the the register, the lady at the register, and and the lady at the register is trying to communicate with them. And they had um, you know a WIC card, but it wasn't it wasn't working. I couldn't you know you couldn't tell. They couldn't figure out what was going on between the cash the register lady and and, and this couple. Um, but but it, it just wasn't working. And so she's trying to communicate to, to these people that know this doesn't work, and, and they're looking at each other, and, 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 they, and then they start putting the stuff, you know, back because they, they just don't quite understand, don't know what to do. Um, and I heard this voice go, just like pop out and just go, stop, stop, stop. Just give them their stuff. Let them go. This is, this is silly. And then I realized the voice had come from me. I, I, I kid you not, I've, I've never had an experience quite like this. That the, 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 in an instant, the, the, the presence of God was there in that moment. That it, it became, it, it was a, a moment of, of God's presence. Like I hadn't, I've not really, to be honest, I, 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 genuinely, I mean this genuinely. I've not experienced that. It felt like I was in the middle of like one of the best moments in worship in God's presence that I've ever that I've ever experienced. Now, it's not like I've 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 never bought groceries for someone before, but there was something, and I don't know what it was. There was something about that moment that was different. And, it, and you could see it in the, the eyes of everybody that was kind of like involved in this little, this little bubble of this drama that's going on. Um, and there's not this crazy end of the story. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't even speak their language, so there wasn't a lot of conversation that, that, that could go on. Um, but it was a Kairos moment that, that was significant, not because of the exchange that happened, not because I bought somebody some formula, but because God showed up in a moment. Because he was, he was there and tangible in a way that he wasn't a few moments before that. And we, we have within us, within our new identity, we have the ability to, in, to create, to, to instigate those moments in our everyday. If we'll look for them. 
if we'll understand that our new hours of operation are whenever and wherever you are. This is our new identity. If the worship team wants to come on up, uh, that would be great. We're going we're gonna to end our time this morning. Um, I want to just give us, as we kind of uh, wrap up this series, I want to give us a moment to, to invite the Lord to, to make this identity, these new identity markers, real to us in a new way. To offer ourselves up to God and say, God, send me, use me this week. You teach me what it means to live a life of being sent. To live a life as a, as a son or a daughter of the Most High who by, by my existence, by just who I am in you, I have the right, I have the authority, I have the calling, I have the responsibility to bring your kingdom into wherever I am you want to stand with me um, that would be great we're just gonna I just want to pray over you and then we're gonna sing a song um, it's called build my life and I want to encourage you just take a moment make the song your prayer and invite the Lord to send you this week you know we're, our, our devotions this week are going to be focused all on that you're gonna we're gonna walk through opportunities of what does that look like how can, I, how can I intentionally make my week, make my month, make my life about being sent? But it all starts, as we talked about last week, it all starts by just abiding in God, by inviting him so that we are reflecting who he is. Because, again, it's not, it's not us. It's us reflecting him. So, Jesus, we thank you for your presence, God. We, we thank you so much that you, you love us, that you empower us, God. But that even more than that, you don't just stop there. You give us a purpose. You invite us to join you in the mission field. You invite us. You send us to collaborate with you. In, in renovating this, this world, in, in bringing your kingdom, your heaven here on earth. God, so we, we take this moment and we, we humbly invite you to change our hearts, change our minds. Give us eyes to see those opportunities, God. We want to live in those Kairos opportunities God, I pray for, for everyone listening that, that maybe doubts the fact that, that they have any real authority in you. God, would you, would you give them opportunity? Would you, would you just whet their appetite for seeing you move in supernatural ways? God, as they, they study and spend time with you, would you pop off the, the pages, those, those invitations, those, those truths that will convince them that they have, they have authority to invite you to do the miraculous. And God, we, we give you our lives and we say build them, mold them, make them whatever, whatever you will. God, use, use us. Amen.